1: Celebrate.
2: Twenty minutes a day. Three hundred and sixty five days a year. This Podcast. We
3: made it this far, so they might as well let me and my friends come in here and screw it up. It's Packaday episode 1001. Happy Wednesday. Hope you're well. I'm Alex Strofe. You can find me on Twitter at Alex underscore Strofe. Joined as I am each Wednesday during draft season. First, by my friend Owen Reese. You can find him on Twitter at ReeseDraft. Hey, Owen, how are you? Good, man. I'm doing well. How are you? Uh, I'm lovely. And Russ Brown also with us. The uh, the heel, the Lions fan, the guy. We don't know why he's even here. You could find him in the, you know, maybe harass him a little bit on Twitter at Russ NFL Draft. Mr. Brown, how are
4: you? I am good. How are we doing, fellas?
3: We're ready to ready to talk about the big uglies. That's what what we're talking about today, right, Reese? The best athletes in football. Best yes, athletes. Sir. In football, last week we did the tackles. We're going interior offensive linemen. This week, similar style. We're going to talk about the bona fide stud in the class. We're going to talk about maybe the biggest sleeper in each of their minds, their draft crushes, the player they're most looking forward to their development on the big stage, and maybe one player that feels like a Packer. So let's get right into it. This week, Russ will start with you. We'll go re-second. We will start with your bona fide stud interior offensive lineman?
4: Yeah, well, I mean, I kind of figured I I would know the direction that uh, Owen was going to go with his stud. So I wanted to kind of stay away from it. I don't want to, like, cross anything up. So that's why I went the direction I'm going. But I'm going to go Deontay Brown, guard out of Alabama, I think if you're looking for essentially a plug-and-play, whether it's left guard, right guard, you got your guy. I mean, he's a massive human being. I think if you remember any portion during the season where he was matched up against somebody or just they had kind of a screenshot of him by himself, he was there and just built like a brick wall. So, I mean, he's got 26 starts at guard for the Crimson Tide. He's every bit of 350. he He's got this rare grip strength that just... Most guards don't have, and and he will bury guys into the dirt. I think for a player of his size, he moves incredibly well, and there's actually times where if you listen back to a couple of interviews throughout the draft process, there's some Alabama players, I believe the player I'm talking about is Najee Harris, and he mentions the overall footwork of Deontay Brown. He says he's actually a better athlete than giving credit for, and the footwork overall is just incredible for a player of his size. So I, I think you can get him in, and you might want to, I don't want to say dumb it down, but you might want to limit him. You might not want him polling all of the time at the NFL level, but I think you can get him in space. I think you can get him to climb to the second level, but overall, keep him in that phone booth and just let him absolutely destroy defenders across from him.
3: High praise for Brown from the Crimson Tide. Reese, let's talk about his teammate.
5: Yeah, so uh, Russ was exactly right where I wanted to go with this. Uh, Landon Dickerson is uh, <laughs> center for Alabama. Uh, has played at Florida State and Alabama. started games at all five positions along the offensive line. Uh, has really kind of settled in at center for Alabama. Um, <clears throat> I think Landon Dickerson is probably a slam dunk home run, uh, insert sports cliche, top 15 pick if he's healthy. Um, the reason that uh, we do have him as a bona fide stud for me, uh, but I think part of the reason you'll probably see him fall into the second round, uh, he's torn his, the same ACL twice. He also has had back issues and also had a season-ending ankle injury um, one year while he was at Florida State. So a guy that unfortunately is at a position where durability is pretty important um, and, and he hasn't quite been able to, uh, or his body hasn't really been able to hold up to the challenge thus far. But when he's healthy, to me, he's the best interior offensive lineman in the class. He's six six and 325 pounds, uh, which is pretty big for a center, uh, but really moves really well. Uh, and, and some of the things, truthfully, like the things that have just been really fun for me to watch, um, you know, you, you see him when he'll uh, – a uh, defensive lineman jumps off sides, right, or it's on a hard count or something. Um, he'll, like, stand up and point at him and laugh at him. Um, it's just little things like that. It, it's – Kind of the game within the game, I think it's really enjoyable watching Leonard Dickerson play. Uh, and I think he's a guy that if his body holds up, some team, um, you know, maybe even maybe the Cincinnati Bengals, uh, whose quarterback, if I remember right, just had a pretty bad knee injury, um, if he's able to stay healthy, some team's going to be really happy with him in the second round and they're going to get a stud starting center almost immediately, um, almost in the vein of, of what Russ was able to see, when Frank Ragnall went to the Detroit Lions, you immediately sure up that position, and it's a huge part of a quarterback's development, um, a huge benefit to them, and I think that's something that Landon Dickerson can give to an NFL team.
3: Yeah, totally fair. Really fun to watch play, but the injury uh, concerns are totally fair, right? And that most recent, you mentioned two ACL tears, the most recent one coming just back in in December. So we'll see how he's able to translate, obviously, the concerns, but a pure freaking athlete, and he's a, a lot of fun to watch. We will see with... Yeah, i have a couple of Alabama boys as the bona fide studs. Let's move on to the sleepers, Russ.
4: Yeah, well, I'm, I'm going to go with a guy that I don't know if he's really slept on. I think people kind of have an idea of who he is, and he might never get any better, so I don't want to, like, discourage anybody. Kind of what you see is what you get, but it's 6'5", 330 pounds at left guard, and that's Aaron Banks. I mean, this guy is an absolute... Mauler. I mean, he has got bare paws for hands and he's experienced. He's got 38 games as a starter in his career for the Fighting Irish. He's again, massive frame. I mentioned that, but he's able to match power of any defender that he faces. So it's rare for him to get overpowered. He's never going to lose ground. And while his footwork is a bit slower compared to some of the others in this class, he needs to get a little faster there. But as I mentioned with DeAndre Brown, keeping a player in that phone booth Aaron Banks is that guy, and I think he does a really good job actually stepping and reach blocking to his left, to his right, so I think he should be able to hold his own there, but is he ever going to get better as far as maybe getting faster? Maybe, but I think realistically, what you see is what you're going to get. He's 77th on my board, so maybe that's a little too sweet for some people, but at maybe 93 for the Packers if he ends up being there. That might be a steal me, So I love the skill set that you get out of Aaron Banks, and he was somebody that caught my eye two years ago, and it's never really changed. I think he's been a really solid player for the Fighting Irish, and I think he'd be a really fun player uh, for the Green Bay Packers.
3: I I think uh, Reese's guy will have similar uh, praises, I think. I, I think both of these guys kind of fall into that interesting category. Reese, the direction you went is?
5: Yeah, so my uh, sleeper is Sidarius Hutcherson um, from South Carolina. He's a guy I think really the biggest thing that he's done wrong is that he's only 6'2". Uh, so I think he, a lot of guys have kind of been passed over him or or that he's – you know, he's like, he's not Aaron Banks, right? He's not 6'5", and 6'6", and 350 pounds, 330 pounds. Um, but he's a guy, and I, I hate to use comps like this because it, it sounds like helmet scouting. He reminds me a lot of A.J. Kan, uh who came out, and I believe it was 2014, 2015, um, a guy who just blocks and blocks and blocks to the whistle, through the whistle. Um, You know, he's one of the guys, and as a former offensive lineman, I've been guilty of this, right? Like, the longer you get in games, you're tired at the end of the game, I don't want to say that you take plays off, right, but you might not finish a block with the same ferocity that you would have on the second play of the game. Um, That doesn't happen with Hutcherson, right? He is, like, foot to the floor, through the floor all the time, um, and it's really enjoyable to watch. I I think he's going to be a guy that one of these zone teams, like Green Bay, right, like if if we've moved past this thing where you had to have had played tackle in college for the Packers to consider drafting you, um, he's a guy I think that early on day three could be in the mix for them um and, and really impressive movement skills and again just that it's fun to watch he just finishes dudes he just doesn't stop his motor is constantly going um and those are guys that are easy to like and easy to cheer for so that was my sleeper uh sidarius hutcherson from south carolina
3: good picks by both of you uh now let's go to probably my favorite one that we've done the last couple of weeks the favorite category and that is the draft crush russ again we'll start with you who are you crushing on in the interior
4: offensive lineman category Can I go with all of them? Is that okay? I mean, (laughs) I I love the group, but uh, look, Kendrick Green will be the guy for me out of Illinois. I I was a little late to the party on this kid, but um, I knew about him just from – keeping up with the Big Ten, obviously living in Michigan, staying with the Big Ten and everything. And um, But he's one of those guys that he's a strong finisher, and we talk about Tevin Jenkins maybe being the best finisher in the class. He might be the best one at offensive tackle. Kendrick Green's up there as well. He's just constantly looking for work. He keeps his head on a swivel. And when you the game that always stands out to me is when he played against Northwestern, you look at Illinois, they're all wearing white jerseys, and he comes out... To His jersey's purple, and it's just like this guy was in in the dirt constantly. And he's got 33 straight starts. He can play guard. He can play center. I love versatility with offensive linemen, really with any player. But when you watch him, he's playing, you know, 15, 20 snaps in a row at left guard, right guard, and then all of a sudden he's moving inside to play center, and then he plays it for three straight games. So he's a bit more of a weight spender. His pad level can definitely rise, especially on contact. But again, there's some refinement needed. But when you look at just the overall finishing ability and what you have to work with, there's a lot to work with with a 6'4", 315-pound guard that I think you can plug and play, um, especially down the road. He probably reminds me a little bit of uh, Natine Muti when he came out of Fresno State. Maybe that's a, a favorable comp. Maybe that's a, um, one that gets used often. But I really like this kid, and I think he's somebody that if the Packers draft, I'm going to be pretty jealous.
6: See rules. Banking services provided by MVB Bank Incorporated. Member FDIC. Maximum balance and transfer limits apply.
3: I feel like versatility is a, is a big word used to describe this uh, offensive yeah. lineman class as a whole. It seems like everybody can do a lot of things really well. At least that's that's what I've been able to to notice so far. But, Reese, we'll go with your draft crush. Which direction you go?
5: Yeah, so I went with a guy who's actually not very versatile at all. Um, frankly, <laughs> so My draft crush is Ben Cleveland. Uh, the massive guard from the University of Georgia. Uh, if you guys do yourselves a favor, uh, people listening to the podcast, Alex, I'm sure Rush has seen this. If you haven't seen Ben Cleveland, like what he looks like, do me a favor, look it up. Um, the guy looks like the Mountain from the Game of Thrones. He's six. Yes. He's
6: 345
5: pounds. He looks like a bodybuilder. Um There's this picture of him, like I don't know if they were like on the lake or whatever. And there's this, it's like him and his girlfriend, I would assume, or fiance or whatever. And she's like five foot five one maybe, and just really this little petite girl. And Ben Cleveland's like this huge massive barrel chested he's like 340 but like his chest sticks out as far as his gut does and he just like goodness if you could if you could sculpt what a 350 pound person would look like with no bad weight like that's him right so um and then you consider his athletic testing uh, he ran, like, a 4.8, at, at which I do believe he trimmed down. I think he was in the 320s or the low 330s, which is still absurd, right? And then uh, there was a rumor. He didn't end up doing it, but there was a rumor that, like, he could have broken the uh, combine bench record. They said his freshman year when he was at Georgia, they had to stop him at 50 reps once um, at 225. So this dude's an absolute freak, um, and he's a guy that – I don't think the Packers are gonna have any interest in, right? Because he is a guard only. Um he does he's more of a linear athlete, right? Like his shuttle times weren't very good. He's very fast in a straight line and he's very large and strong. Um but for the skill set that the Packers are gonna look for in an offensive lineman is not him. But Ben Cleveland is like with a bullet, my favorite player, that's not Quinn Miners, in this draft class and just absolute like what a man could be, should be, should wanna be, right? Like There were stories of him, like, showing up to Georgia in, like, face paint and camo because, like, to a team (laughs) meeting because he was going to go hunting right after the meeting. Like, stuff like that (laughs) super funny. Um, So he's just a guy, like, to me, that just really endeared me to him. But, yeah, he's... It, it, do yourself a favor and look up Ben Cleveland on Instagram and then come back to me.
3: Yeah, yeah. let me do this because I just looked him up. He looks like a terribly terrifying human being, like he would eat me for breakfast. Reese, let me ask you this. If you are at full peak athletic condition as yourself, whenever that is or, or currently is, whatever the case may be, Oklahoma drill against Ben
5: Cleveland, how bad do you get dominated? I mean, do I get to cut him? (laughs) Like, (laughs) uh, no, it would not go. I mean, he's just like all ginormous. Yeah, he's huge. Like, all joking aside, like he's a huge human being, um, and and really is a better athlete than you would expect. Like I said, he is a bit stiff. Um, He's kind of pretty, pretty linear. Um, I think he'll be fairly limited to the amount of teams. Kind of like Deontay Brown earlier with who Russ was talking about, right? Like, certain teams are going to really uh, seek him out, and some teams are going to couldn't be further away from him. Um, But he he legitimately is, like, an entertaining player to watch. Um, And, yeah, just like I said, just the dimensions of him as a human being, like, don't seem right. Like, they're just pretty absurd. So it it is, if nothing else, comedic to look at.
4: Yeah,
3: he's somebody you want on your side in a bar fight. I like to use that phrase. But especially the last few weeks because these ginormous human beings, yeah, I want them on my side. Anyway, all right, let's move on to another question that might have a great answer of uh, everybody. But somebody you're looking forward to their development in the National Football League. Russ?
4: I'll go with a guy that I don't know if we've talked about him yet on the podcast. That's Robert Jones out of Mid-Tennessee State. Um, He he was a JUCO transfer uh, to to, uh, the Blue Raiders, and he played at uh, Highland Community College in Kansas. He was there for uh, 10 games. He played left guard as a JUCO. Then he went on and uh, had 18 starts at right tackle for the Blue Raiders. So I think this is a really good developmental player that's probably going to play somewhere on the interior you might even get a little bit of a, a swing tackle out of him at times because he's listed at 6'5", 320, um, and he's got you know the ability to, to match with length, and, and he's got the ability to anchor consistently. Now, he struggles, I think, with the speed of the game. He's got to get faster with his overall footwork. He false steps at times, but when I watched him, I thought, wow, this guy moves actually pretty well in split space. He shows good overall play strength. And then you watched him at the Senior Bowl, and I was like, okay, maybe the lack of competition in his collegiate career, he'll struggle a little bit. He goes on, and he actually does pretty well. So I, I think, again, the speed of the game might be a bit of a struggle for him. Give him two, three years. But when you look into the, the third day of the draft somewhere for the Packers, if, if you're looking for that developmental piece, that would be the guy that I like.
3: I like it. How about you, Ellen? Which direction do you go for development in the league?
5: Yeah, so uh, I'm going to use a guy I was actually fortunate enough to to do some business with. Um, back in January, I was fortunate enough to work with the College Gridiron Showcase All-Star Game, uh, which is a lower-level game, um, but I guess fortunately and unfortunately due to COVID, right, like the Shrine Game and the NFL PA game didn't really happen. So um, CGS was really kind of able to elevate itself up and kind of be the second game, right, underneath the Senior Bowl, and one of the guys that we dealt with there was Channing or Chandon Herring, excuse me, Um, an offensive lineman from BYU. So you're going to see a lot of Zach Wilson highlights throughout this draft process, right? If you haven't already, I'm sure he's going to go probably number two or whatever in the draft. And so for, I don't know, the next three days, you're going to see nothing but the top three quarterback prospects over and over. Um, But the thing you're going to notice with his highlights is that, like, he's never getting touched, right? Like he's able to sit sit back behind his offensive line and run around and Honestly, kind of looks like Johnny Manziel play style-wise, but BYU's offensive line was very, very good, and Chandon Herring was one of those very, very good guys. Um, 6'7", he's 305 pounds, ran just over five seconds in the 40 at his pro day, uh, 26 reps on the bench. Another guy who I think that is only scratching the surface. He's very athletic, uh, and I think that's uh, going to be a a good get for a team on day three who – is going to continue, like once they lock him into position, um, into a position to focus on, he played, I believe, right tackle, both guard spots and maybe center at BYU at different times. So he's a guy that um, once you really can kind of lock him into a home, I think he can kind of start to develop and get better at. But the tools are there, the size is there, uh, and the pedigrees there. I think it's just a matter of him putting it all together uh, and, and kind of making the team look smart by putting him in one spot rather than uh, kind of having him be the – the band-aid kind of bouncing around wherever is needed
3: i love the cool anecdotes you get to bring in the cool experiences that was a fun angle good good one there all right let's roll on to the final category we do however this is where we flip sides reese goes first Russ goes second because uh, he's the outlaw he's not a packers fan uh, last <laughs> category feels like a packer owen
5: So I mentioned earlier that Green Bay kind of bucked the trend last year, at least of uh, typically needing guys to have tackle experience in college for them to get drafted by the Packers. Um, If that trend continues, this is an extremely easy thing for me to do. And it's probably a bit of a, um, a hedge kind of a non-answer not super interesting. Quinn minors. He's, he's my guy. Right. But like, He's, every athletic testing, blew it out of the water, um, can play guard and center, uh, and that's the thing where with Green Bay right now, um, you know, who knows what's going to happen with Billy Turner. Is he going to play tackle? Is he going to play guard? They just cut Lane Taylor. Is John Runyon Jr. going to start? How long is Lucas Patrick going to be around? If they don't t- take a tackle, is Elton Jenkins going to bump out to tackle, right? All of these different um, scenarios and kind of we don't know where the puzzle pieces are going to fit yet someone that can fit multiple, make a ton of sense. Um, we didn't run a ton at Whitewater. We didn't run a ton of the wide zone stuff like um, Green Bay does, but he has the athleticism to do it. Uh, and we did run enough horizontal run concepts to where, I, to me, Quinn should have no issue adapting to that or um, should have no issue with it. He also ran some of it at the Senior Bowl uh, with the Miami Dolphins. So, to me, Quinn Miners is an easy thing to me. Um, probably, like I said, kind of a – a non answer, probably not the most interesting thing for podcasters uh, or podcast listeners to hear um, me talk about again. But Quinn uh, is my boy. But I do think that objectively, if you look at what the Packers look for, he does fit everything that they should want, other than tackle experience, which we're not super positive any longer, is a huge uh, requisite to be a Packer O line prospect.
3: Whitewater Jesus 2.0 to invade Green Bay again. We love that. All right, Russ. Uh,
4: Whatever you have to say, I don't even care, go ahead <laughs> I think you're starting to turn heel a little bit here Maybe uh, uh, No, I mean, look, I'm going to go with a guy that I don't necessarily think he, he'll be plug-and-play And, play and it, it never seems like that's what the the Packers do It seems like they always take these guys and they, I mean, they end up traditionally they're not plug and play for most people but they find a way to get it to work and I mean you look at Lucas Patrick for example undrafted right so I'm gonna go with David Moore out of Grambling I think this kid's a pretty interesting player out of Grambling State that you know you watched him at the Senior Bowl he was able to hold his own he reminds me of Nate Davis like every everything I saw he he reminded me Nate Davis when he came out of Charlotte who was a third round pick to Tennessee and I'm not saying he's going to go that that high I mean he might be able to get him in the fourth round but it just always seems like the Packers end up taking somebody that I would like to to take somewhere in the mid rounds and David Moore would be one of those guys he's got 20 starts between left guard and right guard and I think despite only being 6'2 he's got over 34 inch arms I know everybody likes talking about that stuff so I mean He's got the overall frame that you're looking for. He's relatively strong when you're talking about matching with some of the stronger defensive tackles that he's got to play against. He's got relatively an explosive upper body. He tends to have a forward lean that I'm not a big fan of. I think that could hurt him. It might draw him a little bit off balance. But I think if you bring him in, he could get familiar with the system, learn the offense, and maybe not necessarily next year, but within another year, he could be a a player that could be starting for Green Bay down the road.
3: I like it. You didn't go. Uh, you didn't go red button self destruct mode. I appreciate that. Uh,
4: <laughs> you're welcome. <laughs> I'm yeah, a you're professional.
3: Yeah, you're doing a really great job. Good for you. Um, that just about does it for Pack a Day episode 1001. But before we go, guys, next Wednesday we're going to take a look at some seven, mount, or seven round mock drafts, as we'll, we will be a day before the first round. Uh, beginning of the NFL draft that begins, of course, next Thursday. How many mock drafts have you guys actually done each? I, I would be curious to hear that number as of today. Russ, go
4: ahead. Um, well, like written mock draft on like you can see, you can find it one dot net. I've only done two of them, but okay. uh, like for like for fun, like on my phone, I've probably done like fifty thousand.
3: Okay, that's that's a fair number. Reese, how about you?
5: Yeah, I don't know. I kind of went on a little rant like a week or two ago about like making mock drafts realistic and like not gaming the system to like get the perfect fits for everything. But I probably do two or three a week, so <laughs> so yeah, part of the problem. I'm gonna sit and complain and yell at to get off my lawn, but I'm a part of the problem and I acknowledge that.
3: No, that's fair enough. I mean, at least you're self-aware. That's a super important quality. Um, no, look, I don't need to vouch for these guys saying they know what they talk, they're they talking about, but clearly, if you can't hear that, next week's going to be a lot of fun. I'm really intrigued to uh, hear what they have to say as we roll ahead. That does it for, for me, for Russell Brand, for Owen Reese. Thanks so much for hanging out with us to start your Wednesday. Hope it's a wonderful one. We'll talk to you next week. See ya.